to the cloud. Cool, we are recording. That's huge. <laughs> Hello, wonderful viewers, and welcome to the Leaders Talk podcast series. I'm Justina Blair, and I am an LTSV, otherwise known as Leadership Through Sport and Business Illumini. This podcast series is part of LTSB's leadership initiative, where you can hear leaders explain the importance of leadership, diversity, perseverance, and much more. So today I will be interviewing the amazing Samash Aladina. Samash has been practicing mindfulness since 1998. So before I was born, <laughs> not only does he manage his own successful training company based in London, but he's also an international best-selling author of Mindfulness for Dummies and The Mindful Way Through Stress. He speaks at conferences worldwide teaching mindfulness techniques, and it doesn't end there. Samash has co-founded the world's first museum of happiness in London. So yes, we have an absolute star on the series today. <laughs> I'm Samash, loving the introduction, hello. thank you. <laughs> Welcome, how are you doing today? Perfection for some reason, yeah, loving it. Lovely to hear. So before we jump straight in, Shamash, tell us about your current role in the mindfulness space of 2021. Well, uh, fortunately for me, a lot of uh, the work that I did was online before the pandemic started. So I felt like I was in this just little space, you know, sh sharing mindfulness with others in, in, online. And suddenly the whole world have joined, has joined me as well. <laughs> and uh, everyone is, uh, is, is kind of teaching it online. So, you know, I've been very much involved in training mindfulness teachers online, uh, teaching about small habits, tiny habits, which is a special approach to change your behavior. Um, and then one cool thing that we did in the middle of last year, because everyone was feeling very isolating, including myself, yeah. I thought it'd be nice if we came together every morning. Let's just try it for a month. We come together at a certain time every morning and we just do some mindfulness together. So I did that for a month for one of those 30 day challenges. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, let's do another 30 day challenge in August. So we did it again. <laughs> and then we just thought, let's just carry on. So it became like a club. So ever since uh, July last year, we meet every morning and we do some mindfulness together. So weirdly, although the pandemic's created a separation, you know, I've never been so connected with my community because I, I kind of connect with them every morning. So it's unusual. That's amazing. I, I definitely practice a lot of mindfulness, especially during this pandemic. And it got to the point I'd force myself to wake up at like five in the morning. I'll do an <laughs> hour of mindfulness and then wow. I'll read and do some journaling and then um, do some yoga and then start my working day. And then over time as the pandemic, like just kept getting worse. So like we're going to be off lockdown and then we're back in lockdown. Yeah. And it was for me, I decided, okay, the 6 a.m. wake up isn't working all the time, <laughs> but I can still fit mindfulness in my day. So I have an, actually have an Apple Watch, which I use some training for a half marathon so I use that to track what I'm doing yeah. and I have this thing that's set up so every sort of half an hour on the day it will notify me to breathe for one minute ah yes I've just got that recently yeah I just breathe that. for a minute it it's just great. vibrates on your wrist and reminds yeah. you yeah yeah so you it's don't brilliant. even have to remember it anymore <laughs> <laughs> the watch does the mindfulness for you <laughs> I love it brilliant no that's that's actually really good because rather than trying to do one massive practice yeah. you're peppering it through in your day and then it helps you to be more mindful in your in your everyday activities so it's really good and what works because i think a lot of people now have this all for addiction to phones 
And those times where you'll pick up your phone for just a minute to check notifications that aren't actually relevant, you don't need. Mm -hmm. All those minutes add up and those minutes in your day you could actually use to just breathe or just be present and just look around you. What can you see? What can you feel? Yeah, absolutely right. It really does add up. Like, I think I heard that people pick up their phone, what, like 100 times a day or 200 times a day? Yeah, that is ridiculous. I imagine if it's a minute, even, even a minute, 200 times yeah. a day. That's the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> that is the whole day. So, yeah. no, no, you can save a lot of time doing that. I definitely have done my YouTube research. I've seen you have <laughs> meditations on there, which I love. I love YouTube. It's so many resources on there, and it's free. Mm. And I recently watched your discussion with Dr. Mark Williamson. And um, you were asked a sort of similar question, but for our viewers that are not aware of the mindfulness space, what actually is mindfulness and how much as a percentage does it influence your day-to-day -day life? Great question. So uh, the simple definition of mindfulness is just about being present. So what the research finds is like about half the time, like as I'm speaking right now, yeah. half the time, whoever's listening to this is not listening to it they're thinking about oh yeah i did this before like oh yeah i need to make my cup of tea later on and oh, maybe i should uh, get the breathing app on so you're just thinking about other stuff rather yeah. than actually being present to what i'm sharing and that's like half the time but it's not a fixed thing for some people it's much less people are much more present and for other people they're not even present for 10 or 20 percent of the time it's just their mind is just caught their attention all the time so that's just the way things are but what they found is that the more present you are the the more greater your well-being and your happiness yeah so mindfulness is about being present but it's not just about being present it's about being present with certain attitudes and the three really important ones is first of all kindness so I don't actually always call it mindfulness. I call it kindfulness because it's about being kind to yourself and others. It's about warm heartedness. Uh, it's about being curious, just like a little child would be, you know, really curious about what's going on. What's this? What's, why is that, that color? What's that light bulb doing? It's just curious and asking questions. So it's bringing that sense of natural curiosity, even for your difficult experiences, even if you feel, you know, something like anxious or sad or frustrated or angry at someone, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm doing this podcast with Shamish and I'm getting a bit anxious. Okay, where am I feeling that? So yeah. rather than thinking this is a bad thing, you, you, you just bring curiosity to it. And the last one, which is a bit of a weird one, but it's a super powerful one, is acceptance. And it's, it's about learning to accept what we can't change. Like what's happening right now? Like the pandemic is a great example, right? You can't really control it much at all, apart from do your own little bit. And so if something happens on a national level or on a global level, and there's nothing you can do in that particular moment, you have to learn to accept it. And the massive amount of stress comes when you can't accept something that's already there, that's already happened. And there's a lot of people that are in denial. I met someone the other day, he just thinks that COVID doesn't exist. It's just something else. <laughs> so, so one of the way that people kind of deal with things is they just go into denial and they, they think it's not happening. Uh, but acceptance is a really, really powerful one. So it's a great skill to learn too. So that's what mindfulness is about, being present with kindness, curiosity, and acceptance. So you've definitely got an amazing point in your journey now. If we go back to the beginning, yeah. what was your light bulb moment that actually started your question into the mindfulness journey? My, so my, well, before, before the light bulb went on, the light bulb went off. <laughs> so my light bulb going off was when um, I thought the purpose of life was just to make loads of money, actually, <laughs> and just be successful in that thing. So, you know, I chose uh, to go down a career path, which I thought would make a lot of money, chemical engineering. I was doing the studies, you know, went to good university, got this cool job in the summer. But then when I actually did it and sat in the office, 
I was just designing this oil rig in another country while I was sitting in this in, in London in an office and everybody was just so boring, just doing the same thing every day. I'm like, oh my God, this is definitely not the point of life. And I remember even earning all that money and spending it literally on Oxford Street. It's like a cliche. You'd kind of see that on, on, on an advert or something, going into Oxford Street, going into one of the shops, buying all these clothes and stuff and just feeling quite empty. So it was like a light bulb going off rather than going on. Um, but the light bulb went on when I actually ended up going to a philosophy class. I went to something which is the opposite of engineering. And in that philosophy class, they taught, they taught us about how you can connect with all your different senses and, and you can observe your thoughts, you can observe your emotions, and you can just be in the moment and you can get your happiness and your well-being just from being in the moment. It's not yeah. that like in the future you'll be happy when you get this car or when you get this relationship or when you get this house. You can do all that, but that's not the main thing. You can actually enjoy just looking at tree or like you were doing, just breathing or doing your meditation or your yoga or your journaling. You can, you can get some sense of well-being just there. So that was, that was my light bulb moment for me to, to realize that I don't have to wait for a future happiness to come. I agree. I think there's something really beautiful about stepping into the unknown. You're sort of into the engineering and then you came out the other side changed. You saw this, I saw it on your website. <laughs> Being this underground poster advertising the School of Practical Philosophy, and then you took that first evening class. So, what would you say that very first session was like for you? Because I know the very first session is it's it's just unfamiliar ground. You've not really done it before. Um, you probably felt like you were the one that just didn't know what was going on. It had nothing to do with what you were doing. So, what what was that experience like for you? Yeah, what a beautiful question. It was uh, it was like probably one of the most important moments of my life, actually. You know, for some people, they do mindfulness. They're like, oh, yeah, that's quite nice. But for me, I, it's for the first time, I was at age like 19 or 20. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm learning this when I'm so old. I wish I was much younger when I learned this. Um, but I just learned that, OK, I've got all these thoughts popping into my head all the time. They're popping in my head. But I am not those thoughts. I can watch them. So, you know, the thoughts can say I'm useless or somebody else could say I'm stupid or whatever. Yeah. I can have a negative thought, someone else. But that's not me. That's just a thought. And that was just like, whoa, that means I'm completely free from thoughts and free from feelings. So I felt very, very free and, and uh, very excited. And then I got kind of obsessed with philosophy and I almost failed my degree because <laughs> I was just reading. There was no YouTube. There was even no Internet. In fact, that was the time when uh, someone said there's a thing coming out called email and you have to check it. And I'm like, that's such a stupid idea. And that's never going to take off. <laughs> I remember saying that to someone. <laughs> Why would anybody check email? Really? That's so boring. No, that's, that's never going to be popular. <laughs> so that's how much I predicted the future. <laughs> so, but I was right about mindfulness. I thought this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a really important thing in the future. And, and at that time, you know, nobody was doing it at all. So that's nice. So you said mentioned that you almost failed your degree and I know that must be a very stressful experience. So I saw that you began sort of running your own workshops eventually at the School of Philosophy while sort of maintaining your um, degree. I'm at the moment, I'm studying for a technology degree. I'm working full time at a bank and I'm training for a half marathon. So I know it definitely could not have been easy for you. So what would you say was actually so powerful about your calling into mindfulness and sort of finding that inner peace that enabled you to manage both running these workshops and the degree without becoming like completely overwhelmed and stressed mm. so when I first learned about mindfulness I kind of got the balance wrong it's a bit like your journey with the pandemic you said you know you're doing like one hour of meditation in the morning <laughs> then you realized that was just unsustainable like it was, for me I was just 
not going to my, my, my lectures at all. I was just going to my philosophy classes and I was just focusing on reading books and I was spending hours in meditation. And that was just kind of an out of balance thing. But I, I did that for a year. Luckily, I just managed to get through my third year and mine was a four year degree. So in the fourth year, I got the balance. I said, look, I'm going to come in the morning uh, uh, and I'm going to arrive at this time, 9 a.m. I'm going to leave the, you know, the, the workplace at 5 or 6 p.m. And then I'm going to do other stuff. And I kind of just had the courage to do that because I'd learned mindfulness. But all of my other student friends, they were working till midnight. Some of them were, you know, it came the next day and they'd been sleeping in sleeping bags at university. <laughs> they were waking up underneath the table. And they're like, where have you been? I'm like, well, I'm just going home to sleep. So they actually downgraded me because they thought I wasn't working hard enough. Yeah. But in my mind, <clears throat> I wasn't so scared about whether I would pass or fail. Whereas before I was just thought, you know, I must succeed. Otherwise something's wrong. So I'd, I'd realized that, you know, my success isn't just about passing exams and degrees. It, there, there's something more important than that. But at the same time, you don't want to give up on it too. Yeah. So it's about learning to find that balance between the two. And I like, so, you know, going back to that example, like you said, you know, you're using technology to help you to be more mindful in your everyday life and you're hopefully spending a balanced amount of time on you know not waking at the crack of dawn and going you know going to sleep too late and not having enough sleep that wouldn't be balanced too so we all need to look at your priorities and making sure that the, the self-care is, is a really important priority out of that whole mix where you sleep enough you do a bit of exercise you eat properly you drink enough water all those kinds of things that's really important too yeah so if we dive more into again the power of mindfulness I know with your scientific background, you've probably been asked a few times to debate about this whole thing of mindfulness being pseudoscience, but you've obviously proved this wrong since then with sort of learning more statistics and your own experience. What would you say are the sort of top three or five proven benefits of actually practicing mindfulness and taking leadership of our own lives to just live in the now? So uh, the overall benefits of mindfulness or specific for leadership? In terms of the overall benefits of mindfulness and how yeah. it can sort of help you to take more leadership in your own life of living okay. now. Great, great. So <clears throat> the, 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 a nice way to explain it is to is if you imagine if you be, you're very mindless rather than mindful. So if you're very mindless, then you're not really aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your bodily sensations. You're not really conscious of what other people are saying. So you can't communicate with them well. You can't make good decisions about what's right for you and others. So you end up kind of getting very, very lost and you're just living on automatic pilot. And, and rather than you being a leader, leader of yourself and managing others, you're just kind of going with the flow. Life is just you know, whatever comes, whatever next notification pops up on your phone is going to be your leader rather than you being the leader of yourself, yeah. right? So if you want to take a bit more control of your life, then you need that mindfulness. So first of all, it helps you to, you know, I, I touched upon the idea that as we become more present, our well-being and happiness goes up. Yeah. So they found a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. So if we start doing these little exercises like you shared, breathing exercises, feeding your body, uh, you know, noticing nature that's starting to give you the benefit of being more present um you can also be mindful when you're talking to someone so you can practice mindful yeah. listening like you are right now i'm sharing you're listening to what i'm i'm saying but also you need to kind of keep in the back of the mind what am i going to ask him next so there's that balance you need yeah. to strike but there needs to be some presence there so listening is really important so listening to others 
also listening to yourself. So there's that voice in your head that's always running. And most of the time it's kind of under our consciousness. So it's running our life without us knowing. As you become more mindful, you start to notice, oh, that's the familiar voice that's always saying, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or might be constantly saying, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. You know, okay, that's just a thought. That's just an idea. I don't have to let that rule my life. Um, so there are a few, there are a few things that come have come to control and charge of your life um i suppose is it improves emotional intelligence and so emotional intelligence is noticing how you're feeling from moment to moment and so if you're feeling upset or angry or tired you don't automatically lash out towards others or you don't automatically just give up what you're doing yeah. like if there's one day where you know you just feel a bit overwhelmed with all the projects you're doing you don't just immediately give up some time off wanting to talk to someone about it so that reflectiveness so there's some there's some benefits of mindfulness from a leadership perspective in fact there's there's whole chapters in books and courses all about mindful leadership so and all the benefits that mindfulness can bring for that for leadership it's interesting that you mentioned that point of the voice in your your mind that sort of tells you not to do things I learned, I learned this in a podcast before and it said to listen to that voice and actually do the opposite of what it's saying. So if your alarm goes off in the morning and it tells you to snooze it, you don't snooze it, you force yourself to get up. Or if you see them dishes in the, the dishes in the sink and you haven't washed them and you're like, ah, oh, I do them later, you have to do them because that voice <laughs> has told you not to do them. So I, try, I tried that technique of actually using that voice to be more mindful about how I'm living my daily life and I did it for a period of time and it was amazing. And then I slacked off, but I definitely should go back to that. So I'm going to say that as a sign that I need to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the reason you kind of slacked off was probably, it's, it's kind of hard to be so motivated. Like if you really don't feel like doing the dishes and you suddenly have to do them all, it's just too hard. Yeah. What you can do, the one trick you can do is just do it for 30 seconds. So just say, okay, I really don't feel like it. I'm just going to wash it. The dishes for face and that can actually work quite well yeah because then you end up 30 seconds go and if you don't if you don't carry on you're not going to feel guilty because you only committed 30 seconds but most of the time you end up just finishing them exactly exactly <laughs> how can i know if i'm practicing mindfulness right is there a right way is there a wrong way or is it just something that depends on each person uh, if you're a baby and the baby's learning to walk and you know if it if baby you're just you're just not doing it right you're not doing it <laughs> yeah properly you need to give that little child the opportunity to keep practicing and through practicing and practicing it learns to be able to walk better and through 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 actually failure through falling over um but in is a bad meditation as long as you keep practicing and doing the be mindful as best you can that's good enough yeah. i downloaded this app it was called waking up by sam smith and it had like a 50-day course of meditation and i remember the first one it was like 10 minutes and the first minute your, your mind's already drifting you're thinking about food you're thinking about how long you have left but i've definitely realized that the more you do it the better you get at it so anyone that actually is thinking of practicing mindfulness and you try say a youtube tutorial or anything online and you just feel like your brain's wondering stick at it just keep doing it again and again and again because the mind loves routine and the only way to build that routine is just to keep doing things exactly exactly just a gentle yeah 
effort not not to it's just like you know try and find something that you enjoy doing something you like doing you know a little bit every difference i think exactly you don't want it you don't want it to end up into a chore and then you hate every moment of it exactly. do it in a way where you're actually enjoying it and you look forward to just having that time where you can distance yourself from all the problems that are happening whether that's work or school or university or it might be that you're you're raising children on your own and you just don't feel like you have any moment in the day to sort of chill out but yeah I think that's a great point so for those that might be listening and could see that this whole thing is almost like rainbows flowers and pretending that everything is right in the world because we are generally in a generation where we like to think about everything to do with the future I'm doing this for my future or I'm not going to sleep that much tonight because I need to study for my future degree or make sure that my work is completed for work so we've definitely been through this really chaotic times as a result of the pandemic and the only emotion that a lot of people resonate with the most at the moment is stress so i'd love to hear an experience of yours surrounding the theme of almost resilience where you faced a struggle and you actually used mindfulness and applied it to persevere and overcome the struggle okay cool so so uh, good at asking questions. That's a brilliant question. Uh, one moment that comes to mind was when I was first learning to become a school teacher. So I, after I did my engineering degree, uh, I signed up to become a school teacher and I had to teach with some really kind of tough schools. And uh, I remember it was very stressful. I had to, you know, do essays and preparing for the class and the class's behavior was really hard to and so uh, having that time where I could just at home in the mornings and in the evenings to just spend some time just breathing, feeling my body, feeling my breathing, doing my favorite mindful exercises helped. And that was really good for giving me some resilience. But I also realized that that wasn't enough on its own. So I also I had to talk to people about it. I had to actually use the amount of lessons that I was doing and so all that together helped so when things get really stressful mindfulness can help but not mindfulness alone I would say you need to think about what else can I do maybe journaling can help me maybe I have to talk to someone about it maybe I need to go for a walk in the morning or evening be like uh, the the starting point for lots of other kind of self so yeah, so that was kind of how I dealt with it in that moment. And it, and it was a combination of all those together that helped me to bounce back and manage to pass my, my degree at that point. Well, I'm glad you managed to get through the degree as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost quit. I actually wanted to quit. I'm like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> you got the help conversation is really important. Yeah. yeah. You've given us the facts, the benefits, and now your personal experience. If we get back into the power of now and towards your book, Mindfulness for Dummies, if right now I'm listening to this podcast and I know absolutely nothing about mindfulness, meditation, or even visualization, what are actually the very first steps I can take to experience mindfulness? And is there a perfect age to start? I would start, um, literally start with maybe just three breaths. So you can you just sit down or lie down, close your eyes, and take a you know, deep breath in, just hold it for a few moments and breathe out and just do that three times and just feel the sensation of the breath. And then if you enjoy that, do that a little bit more. And then if you want, maybe you can listen to a guided mindfulness. 
you know, there's like Headspace or Calm or from my book and all sorts of other books. You just listen to some guided exercise for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. And as I've been kind of touching on today, rather than saying that I must do it for this many minutes every day, choose a nice moment in the day where you'd really look forward to it and you want to do it, whatever it is for you, it could be just a few seconds. And let it, that's what really kind of can make the difference, I think. So if you'd found sort of a meditation on YouTube or sort of a mind guided mindfulness sort of video, would you say that starting on a five minute one or a three minute one would be better than sort of diving straight into maybe like an hour long one? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The reason is, if you do a small, small mindfulness exercise yeah. and you celebrate, it releases a chemical in your brain called dopamine, and that makes you feel good. And when you have that feel good feeling, it starts to wire the habit so that you're more likely to want to do it again. If you have, if you do like an hour good, it might, you, you might think oh, I'm not doing it right, or you might not not feel so good but then the habit is much harder to stick to so if you could start start with a small habit you'll probably want to do more you'll probably want to push yourself too much so you're going to have to kind of wind it backwards so you just start really really small maybe even 30 seconds and praise yourself at the end like yes i managed to do my one minute of mindfulness go go me releases a bit of dopamine a bit like when you get text message or of dopamine and, and it becomes almost addictive like like your phone is addictive or food is addictive or something and mindfulness becomes addictive but this is a kind of a positive addiction it's a habit which is going to lead to a sense of well-being and success and all that so celebrating at the end of a positive habit is really important called shine so it's a new emotion that's recently been discussed Discovered. The scientist has named it as shine, and it's that feeling of success when you do something. And so start super small, even if it's 30 seconds or a minute. Don't try and do too much more than that and celebrate once you've done it and then let it naturally grow, just like a just like a seed naturally grows. I like that shine. I need some more shine in my life. <laughs> I think because of the pandemic, we've there's definitely yeah a lot more discussion in terms of mental health so I think if we sort of moved on towards more how mindfulness and mental health can actually go hand in hand so for myself I had my very first mindfulness experience around exam season in year 11 so I would have been about 15 16 at the time we had this mindfulness expert come into school and as I went to a catholic school I remember we were sitting in the chapel and it was this really lovely moment. My eyes were closed. You had the sun sort of beaming through these stained glass windows. And we were told to just pay attention to our breath and to feel our body on the seat and to feel our feet on the ground. And I know for a lot of the young people around me, they either fell asleep, they found it boring, or they thought it was a waste of time. Now inside, I secretly really enjoyed it. And it definitely touched a chord for me. And I, I didn't really understand why it was something that I actually really enjoyed, but everybody around me wasn't. And then the problem we have at the moment is mindfulness isn't the next viral TikTok video. It can be, but it isn't yet. And it's not the most liked Instagram post. So what place would mindfulness have for young people in terms of mental health? And what techniques would you recommend 
to incorporate into a young person's life in a way that it doesn't feel like you're not doing something that's not very cool. Okay, mind. Uh, loads of people like chocolate mm. or some sort of uh, do an exercise called mindful chocolate eating. So you, you literally get a piece, close your eyes, maybe have a breath or two and then smell it for a moment and you can listen to it if you want see if the chocolate's talking to you maybe it will say eat me eat me <laughs> so you can listen to it and then you just put it in your mouth and then you just feel the taste of it for a few seconds enjoy the taste and then gradually chew it and swallow it so take a couple of minutes and I think I think kids might taste chocolate which most of them really enjoy yeah. And it brings you in the mindful chocolate eating. Maybe that might be a quite a cool, maybe that's the new tech, TikTok uh, uh, video that might go yeah. viral. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but anyway. That's a good one. I'm Involved a thousand pieces of chocolate. It might, it might go viral. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that technique. I'm going to practice that one myself. It's a good one. I saw your talk on mindfulness and at the beginning you told the audience to high five their neighbor but then to make sure to high five themselves and it kind of reminded me of this bible quote but it can be used in a non-religious aspect too and the quote is thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself and I think that we spend so much time focusing on loving other people that we often miss out the fact the quote already assumes we love ourselves first so for my, like, I know that everybody's experience of mindfulness can be different for them. But for me, mindfulness is developing a relationship with me because the moment that you're born to sort of your very last moments, the only one that's actually there for every step of your way and every experience you go through is yourself. So I think it's really important to actually start to develop a connection with you and what's going on inside of you. So for me, mindfulness is actually being able to look in the mirror and saying, hi, Justina. Well, for you, you'd say hi, Samash, because you're pretty weird if you looked in the mirror. <laughs> you might get a few weird looks. <laughs> Even from the mirror, yeah. <laughs> They're more like you. <laughs> I think what's so lovely about mindfulness is the experience can be different for everyone. There's not just one concrete answer. This is exactly how it's meant to feel, and this is what everybody should be doing. I think mindfulness could be the next viral TikTok. It's not yet. But hopes, hopes, we put our hands together and we'll cross our fingers and hope that it will be. I'll give myself a high five about that. <laughs> I'll do it too. <laughs> so if we move on to our final thought of the day, which surrounds leadership. Samash, what would you say leadership means to you? Mindfulness uh, is really important in connection to leadership because mindfulness is so if you cannot be aware of what's going on inside of you, there's absolutely no potential to be a leader. So I think mind, the word mindfulness and leadership are synonymous. After that, the next word that's really passion because it's about helping for other people as well as ourselves so it's about becoming aware of what's going on inside of you and 
what you need to do to look after yourself, but also being aware of your of the people around you, looking out for them, caring for them. So uh, kindfulness, which is mindfulness and kindness, is um, I think what what leadership is all about. Kindfulness. That's going to be our theme. Kindfulness. So it has been an absolute delight to speak to you today. Obviously, there's so much more to speak about, but for now, I recommend that people navigate to your website, which is www.smashaladina.com. I hope you've enjoyed being on today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Normally, podcasts aren't as entertaining as this, so (laughs) I really recommend it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Right, I'll stop the recording. Thank you.